Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So anyway, we're in Judges chapter 6. This is part three of it because there's so much in there. Judges 6, part three, taking down altars. Um, Israel, at, at the beginning of uh, 6, we've seen a, a pattern repeating here. The Israelites get off into sin, and they get in trouble. God hands them over to their enemy. And why would God hand me over to, his en- to my enemy? Why would God do such a thing? Because we're sinners. We're all sinners. And don't think that you're the only one. We're all sinners, all of us, even and especially me. But God handed me over to my enemies for a time to get me to wake up. Okay, and he's doing that to Israel, and this is the repeating pattern going over and over. So Israel cried out again because the Midianites had been coming and stealing their food, and they've been doing it for seven years. Seven years, you go out and work the garden and, and work your field, and you get everything, and it's just about ready to pick. Here come those Midianites, and they wipe it out. All the work you did is just wasted, and you're oppressed. And so seven years of this, and they cry out to God, and because they cried out to God, the angel of the Lord, which is God himself, he appears to Gideon, and he calls Gideon to fight the Midianites to save Israel. And Gideon asked for a sign, and the Lord gave him one by burning up an offering on rocks. He put an offering out, and he burned it up. Man, I'd be like, that's good enough for me. Yeah, this is real. So Gideon is pretty well convinced. And so now we're in Judges 6 and verse 25. It says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Oh my gosh, Gideon's dad has this thing that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. That is a tall order. That is a tall order. This thing stands up for the community to see. It belongs to your dad, by the way. Now go cut it down and build an altar to me on that. Buddy, talk about guts. You know, we're going down and tearing down an altar in Houston, aren't we? We go there every month. We go there to Planned Parenthood, and we stand out in front of it, not for political, nothing at all. We stand there to tear it down by prayer, and we're going to tear it down. And that's a tall order, but we're doing it. And people don't like us for doing it. Now, I'm just trying to get you in Gideon's shoes here for a minute, what he's going to deal with. So Gideon is going to be Israel's savior. But first, God puts him to this obedience test, I guess, if you would say. If he's going to save Israel, the first step is to get rid of false gods. You can't be saved if you have false gods. Hello. You see the order going on here. I want you to keep track of this order of events here. Israel will not and cannot be saved while the false gods are still present. And so I think it's fully understandable why God made this Gideon's first task. 
to tear down the altar of Baal. But what I find really extremely interesting here is that the Lord does not only instruct Gideon to tear down the altar of Baal, but to build an altar to God. It's two things. Don't just tear that down, tear it down and build this up in its place. Right on top of the altar, you're supposed to destroy. Now that's extreme. And people are going to know somebody did something and they're going to come looking. (laughs) Not only that, the altar he's going to destroy belongs to his own dad. This is my dad's. It belongs to him. Now, I would think as a son, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of rivaling my dad's honor here in some kind of way, but God commanded it. God commanded it. Now, that's going to cause a family rift, you'd think. Not only that, but Gideon is supposed to sacrifice one of his father's bulls to the Lord. I mean, there's layers and layers upon. I'm not having it (laughs) going on here. He's going to sacrifice one of his father's bulls to the Lord. It's probably that bull was supposed to be used for a sacrifice to Baal originally. God's, you see God turning these things around. He's going to do it through Gideon. So this is just really threatening stuff here. Now, I want you all to realize how extreme the Lord's commands are right here. We sit here, and I like to think, when I, when I read stories like this, I like to think, go sick them, Gideon. Go get them, Gideon. Oh, look at Gideon go, right? But if you were to modernize this and apply it today, can you imagine the politically correct war that we would end up dealing with? Like I said, going to Planned Parenthood and praying that thing down. You know the, you know the conflict I get from that? And this recording goes out over the radio and and YouTube and what all, and people see and hear that. And you know the emails I get over this? But we do it anyway, because God told me to do it. He told Gideon, you're not going to die. If God tells you to do something, well, let's go do it. This debating we have going on of, oh, well, what if they want that? What if that's their belief, that they want that up there? Why not let them have their belief? God says, "Uh uh-uh, cut it down. We're so politically correctly minded here, aren't we? We're thinking, well, what if everybody, what if it offends somebody? You think Gideon thought of that? Well, what if it offends somebody? Well, of course it's going to offend somebody. But in that, it's going to wake them up. I'm not saying go out with your Bible and smack people over the head and do that kind of thing. What I'm saying is when God tells you to do something, shouldn't you just do it? Sometimes God's going to tell you to do things that are not comfortable. If God wants you to do something, he'll protect you. We have to know that our nation is in trouble when we think of this manner of thinking. But you know where the change starts? The change starts with the tearing down of idols of false gods. That's repentance in, in, in effect. Repent. Tear down false idols. The Lord is not asking Gideon to go out and take a vote and see if the majority is okay with it first. Yeah, we're okay with it. 51%, you can tear it down. He's not telling him to do that. He says, you go cut it down, pure and simple. You know, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to take a vote to see if we're going to make him king or not, because the majority will probably say, no, he's going to come back and be king anyway. And I guarantee you it's the minority is going to be for it. God is not interested in what the majority thinks about his will. He ordered Gideon, cut it down. Yeah, go get him, Gideon. (laughs) And so a major point we need to see here in God's instructions is not only is he to cut down the altar, not only is he to use his father's bull intended as a sacrifice for Baal, but Gideon is supposed to take the wooden image of Baal himself and burn that image, burn that carved image upon the altar to the Lord that he's supposed to build. 
Now, do you see the whole, all these layers of I'm not tolerating this that God has in here? Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. God's not having it. Okay? Friends, in a culture that screams tolerance, 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 <laughs> I want you to recognize the extremities of God's orders here. There's no tolerance in what Gideon is about to do. They don't call it the narrow, narrow way for nothing. Not a whole lot of drift to this way, not a whole lot of drift that way. Stay in the center. Tolerance means a lot of give this way and that. Friends, we got to walk straight and narrow when it comes to serving God. And the world's pushing you to get off that line. Don't let them have you. So God does not have to ask men if he can do this or not. Like it or not, God is going to act. God is going to do this. Judges 6 and 27. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Okay, I'm good with that. He still did it. God didn't tell him what time to do it. (laughs) So he, he did it at night. Let's not try to minimize Gideon's obedience because of the fact he did it at night. Oh, he did it at night. I would have gone out and done it at the daytime. Really? You think so? I think it was wisdom to do it this way at night. Because if he'd tried to do it in the daytime, the Baal worshipers would have uh, prevented it. They would have, there would have been a fight right then and there. And so uh, Gideon just did it the clear-cut way to get it done quick, right? And also, <clears throat> it was smart for Gideon to get 10 guys to come help him, because this would have been a lot of work for one guy to pull off on his own. Most likely, it would be daytime again before Gideon could have gotten the job done alone. If he started at this by himself, sun's coming up, everybody's watching Gideon do it. He couldn't have finished it. I think swift and severe is exactly what God wanted to happen. By morning, the people are going to get up and see that the deed has already been done. Somebody came and already did this. It's over. He got 10 guys. But remember, it's the people of Israel that cried out to the Lord in the first place. I mean, this is for their benefit. When we go and pray against Planned Parenthood, we're not against anybody. It's for everyone's benefit, everyone's blessing. So by morning, it's already done. So, okay, then this is how it gets done. Now, hats off to Gideon for getting the job done with great wisdom. But consider the fact that 10 men went with him. You've got this culture. They're used to serving this Baal guy, and 10 guys are already getting it. Oh, we got 11 guys now, don't we? We went from Gideon. Now we have 11. How cool is that? People are starting to turn. Judges 6 and 28. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. They said to one another, Who did this thing? And when they searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal. And indeed, he has cut down the Asherah, which was beside it. Okay, so everybody's mad. Let's kill Gideon. My, 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 how predictable. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) I'm sure this ran over Gideon's mind all night. Well, we're tearing this down. You know what these guys are going to do in the morning, right? And here they go. I want us to remember what the Lord said to Gideon back in verse 23 when he first called him. He says, do not fear, you shall not die. I think the Lord offers us the same thing. I have eternal life. Do not fear, you shall not die. And there's a lot of things that happen to us as we go through life that causes us to fear. Oh, what if something happens to me? Hey, 
You're ultimately not going to die. Don't be afraid. What can man do to me? What can they do to me? The Bible says all man can do to you is kill you. (laughs) In the body, they can't take your eternal soul. That's good. Do not fear, you shall not die. So the men are saying, bring out Gideon that he may die. Well, Gideon's not going to die. Gideon's got the promise. I'm not going to die. You can't kill me. Nothing's going to happen, not when God ordered the whole thing to go down. Now, friends, we've really got to get it in our minds. I'm a thick-skulled guy, pretty much. It took me a while to get it through my mind that God knows how to protect His people. He knows how to protect His people. That should instill boldness in us, right? If God is protecting me, I I should be okay. So that we need to stop being afraid of what's going to happen to us when God tells us to do something. You know, when God says, all right, Ray, drop your net, you'll have a catch. And I'm standing in the grocery store line, and there's somebody right there, and it's time to share the gospel. And I'm like, here? Now? What if they say no? What if somebody hears me, and they get upset, and and then, but by the time my imagination runs off, I'm dead or something, you know? It's, come on. If he tells you to drop your net, drop your net. You'll have a catch. They may not get saved right there, but it will get into them. And it's going to build up at some point. Just do what God says. Don't be afraid of what people are going to do to you or think of you. They're saying, kill Gideon. Now, we get to see a new challenge unfolding here. First, the challenge was tear down the altar and all this stuff and build one up to me. Now, people want to kill him. Things are mounting up pretty quick, aren't they? A lot of people would take this, okay, forget it. I'm not cut out for this kind of work, and they quit. You got to have your boldness. So what I'm looking at here is how is God going to work this out? where he gets to keep his promise. Remember, he promised Gideon, they're not going to kill you. Now everybody's saying, kill him. Uh, Okay, how's this going to (laughs) work? Something's got to happen. Judges 6 and 31. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you, this is his dad, remember, okay? This is Gideon's dad. He's the one that owned the thing. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him, now y'all bear with me because I'm just Texan, Jerobel, I guess, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. It's like, okay, if Baal's really a god, Baal Baal can do something about it himself. If he's a capable god, let Baal deal with it. Wow. Now, this is the guy that owned the altar saying this, not just some dude in the crowd. This is the guy that had this thing built and established. Joash is Gideon's father. And remember, all the stuff that Gideon just tore down belonged to him. If anybody has a right to speak here, it's Joash. That was mine. I get to talk. (laughs) You see how God put the words in Joash's mouth. Sometimes the very one you think is going to be your biggest enemy is actually, if God wants to, can turn him into your greatest ally. So good. So good. Look at God working in here. This is so exciting. So now I'm sure people would have said, well, well, Joash, of course you're making a stand. That's your boy. Of course you're going to talk, right? I can hear that. But look at the slickness of Joash's words. He's not just saying, my son, my son. He's speaking about Baal here. He's not saying, spare my son. He's saying, if Baal's really a god, let Baal deal with it. If Baal has power, let Baal take care of it. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen, obviously. What's this going to prove to the people? You've been bound down to a piece of wood. That's about all you've been doing. 
If Baal has power and a conscience of his own, don't you think Baal can defend himself? Pretty much what Joash said. If you don't believe Baal can tend to his own matters, then may you be killed by mourning for your lack of faith. He's, he's speaking with ex- these extreme words. I think what's happening here is that God is speaking through Joash. He got to Gideon. Now he's talking through Joash. And plus, you got 10 other guys that came with Gideon too. How many people have turned now? We're up to 12. Jesus changed the world through 12. He can change the world through the people in this room. There's enough people in this room right now to go out and completely change this world through Jesus Christ. That's good. Don't look at this church and go, oh, we're small. Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. God likes small, doesn't he? He's speaking through Joash. Joash is speaking by godly wisdom because all of a sudden, Baal is being put to the test, isn't he? Now Baal's being tested to show the people if he's really a god or not. Can Baal really do anything about his altar being torn down, or is Baal just a piece of wood? I want to show you what God thinks about these false gods made of wood. I want to take you over real quick to Isaiah 44 and 16. It's talking about these carved gods into wood. He burns half of it, a log. He burns half of it in in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it, he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it, and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. Well, half of it, you're going to use it to cook your food, and half of it, you're going to say, get me out of my mess, you're my God. That's the way God views this. He's like, why didn't the other half of the log have power to do anything? You cooked your chicken with it, or whatever. It's worthless. Guys, the false gods that we have out there are worthless. The money in your bank account, oh, save me money, get me out of my problem. Just about as worthless as that. Deliver me. Yeah, baloney. That's just ridiculous. But that's how God views the worship of false gods. And I think what we just saw is Joash, the man who built and owns this false idol, he just dramatically got inspired by Gideon's bravery. And I think Joash has repented of his sin. Therefore, God is now speaking through him, put Baal to the test. While at the same time, we can see that now Gideon is being saved from death. Because if Baal can't cough up a miracle, Gideon's okay. You see that? I wanted to know how God was going to work this out for Gideon. Now I see how he did it. So, who but the Lord could do these things? And who could have seen that coming? You have a scenario you're in right now. I don't know what it is. It's a major snag. You don't know how you're going to get out of it. How's God going to work this out? Just let him work. Watch what he does. He may speak through people you never expect to hear speak in certain terms. He'll, he'll deliver you. The afflictions of the righteous are many, but the Lord delivers them from them all. So Israel is in great need of repenting now and turning from the worship of false gods. And already we see that repentance is catching on, isn't it? They have to turn from this Baal worship. Gideon acted, 10 men helped him tear down the altar, and they caught it too. And now Joash is seeing the truth, and he's speaking so that now everybody got to see helpless Baal unable to do anything for himself. Baal was just put to the test. Your false gods are going to be put to the test. And oftentimes when your false gods are tested and you see them getting torn down and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? God's going, yeah, uh uh-huh, get it. Get it what I'm trying to tell you. God, why would you take that from me? Because you had worship in it. Worship me, he says. 
so great. So the people are now starting to turn back to the Lord while the Lord is now being glorified. Judges 6 and 33. It's time for the Midianites to come do their yearly deed here. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves, and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called together to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, and they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So, okay, remember, for seven years now, the Midianites would come in and, and damage all their crops and attack them and steal everything and wipe them out. That's why we first see Gideon threshing wheat, because he was going to hide it so that the Midianites couldn't find it, right? So now it's time to make their annual attack. Right on time, here we are again. We're here to mess you up. They're going to steal everything that time of the year. So they camp up close. Typically, when an enemy camps right outside your, your, where you live, they're intending to strike. That's what that meant when they camped there. That means we're about to come in and mess you up. So they think it's just going to be another typical raid this time. Oh, just like the last seven years. Here we go again. (laughs) They don't know who they're messing with. This time, Israel is back in Yahweh mode. I'll call that Yahweh mode. Now they're on. It's activated. And so they got another thing coming. And so it says in verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Gideon is now activated. The power switch just got flipped on. Holy Spirit came upon him. All through Judges, we're going to see the Holy Spirit come upon God's deliverers. It comes upon them. Remember Othniel, the first judge? Back in chapter 3, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Later in chapter 11, the Spirit of the Lord is going to, it says, came upon Jephthah. Chapter 13, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon these people. And it's going to give these people that he comes upon them, it gives them this incredible divine ability to perform mighty feats that nobody could ever do on their own. And I'm going to stray off my notes just for a minute. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. We have something different today that's better. We have the indwelling. When Jesus died and says, when I leave, the helper will come, you don't have the Holy Spirit come upon you because the Holy Spirit would come upon people and then leave. That's not loss of salvation. He would come upon them, empower them for a task. We get the indwelling. How awesome is that? You know, I keep thinking to myself, when I get to heaven, I hope I get to sit down and talk to Moses. Say, Moses, tell me what it was like. (laughs) Tell me what it was like that day when the sea parted. You know what he'll probably say? Say, you tell me what it was like to live with the indwelling Holy Spirit in you. How awesome is that? So that's what we have today. I just want to give you a little perspective. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And I, here we go. I think it's important for us to recognize the order of events. We need to take notice of what happened first. Order is very important. Godly order is so important. It says in verse 33, the Midianites encamped in the valley. Verse 34, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then, then he blew the trumpet and the Abyssalites gathered behind him. So we see a one, two, three series of events happening in order here. The enemy came to attack. The Holy Spirit came to empower, which caused Gideon to act. Here comes the enemy. Holy Spirit says, flame on. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.